FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 138 of the podcast that goes snicked. A flashback episode as we uh, celebrate the double-sized 200th issue of Uncanny X-Men. I, of course, am your host, Jason. Innocent until proven not a baby, Venable. And I'm joined by a flashback special guest, Pat Thunder Puncher Gunter. Hey, Hey. Pat. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on again, Jason. Yeah, of course. That's great. My pleasure. How are things going up there in Canada? Oh, uh, it's just uh, super hot, super uh, hot here today. (laughs) Yeah, just hiding inside from the AC all day today. Right. uh, Yeah, looking forward to doing this. Yeah, I don't blame you. I took Max for just... Just a little walk around the block, and I felt like my uh, head was getting sunburned. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really brutal here today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're going to cover two issues of Uncanny X-Men with our uh, our clawed friend Wolverine. We have uh, issue 200 and issue 201, which, you know, both have some uh, pretty big story elements in them. So it'll be exciting to kind of talk about those and what they mean to the X-Men. Yeah, so you ready to jump in to some comics? Sure, let's do it. All right, here we go. Okay, so first up, we have the double-sized Uncanny X-Men number 200. This is written by Chris Claremont with art by John Romita Jr. and Dan Green. Glennis Oliver does the colors, and Tom Orjakowski does the letters. And our cover is by uh, J.R.J.R. and Dan Green. And on the cover, we have a uh, Flash Gordon Magneto chained up in chains, and then the X-Men fighting the Wonder Twins behind him. So I'm assuming, based on the cover, that Magneto is on trial with the uh, fashion police for wearing that ugly-ass costume. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I didn't need to say it. <laughs> Seemed like the negative uh, negative Nelly out of the two of us here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> beat, right, right. Beat me to it. Dear no, God. I, yeah, I will go on record. This is my least favorite Magneto costume of all his costumes. Oh, okay, good. So I thought I was going to be like the big negative yeah, person here. <laughs> yeah, and in, if, you know, if you haven't seen it, basically it's that the period in his uh, career, quote-unquote, where he doesn't wear a helmet, so he has this white striking hair, which is fine. But then he's got, like, this cut-off shirt where he has side boob and this long purple cape and this stupid giant M on his chest so you know he's Magneto. And then the classic, I don't know, what do you call those, like, evening gown gloves that come up to his bicep. Uh-huh. It's, it's terrible. It looks, it looks like Ming the Merciless or something like that. It's, it's pretty terrible. Yeah. And uh, what... our villains of the piece kind of look like evil Miss Marvel twins. And they kind of have like a little lightning bolt on their chest and they have sashes. They do have matching jackets. I guess that's kind of cool. Not really, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so uh, what do you think of the cover, Pat? Uh, yeah, I put uh, the cover is horrible. I, I never liked this. <laughs> uh, I think uh, Wolverine is the only person I think looks good on right. the cover. He I looks agree. pretty good, actually. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, Worst Magneto outfit ever. Yeah. Comic book guy voice. Uh, yeah, for sure. And yeah, I didn't uh, take the time to write down, but I noticed they looked just like uh, Miss Marvel also. <laughs> kind of weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's too bad because I think like the layout of this cover, like the idea is really good. The idea of Magneto in chains and the X-Men fighting behind him. Like if you take, I don't know, like Jim Lee or Mark Silvestri and you draw like regular Magneto costume all yes, chained yes. up and the X-Men fighting like say I don't know some cooler villains behind them it'd be an awesome cover like the idea is fine it's just bad luck in, at this point that everyone looks stupid <laughs> yeah for sure I agree with everything there yeah uh, like look at Colossus looks so weird <laughs> yeah look at, look at Colossus there and uh, <laughs> the uh, sister of the two twins uh, she just looks really cartoony and kind of cheap there eh? yeah up in her face yeah and her arms kind of like, ee. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, 
yeah, I agree with the if Jim Lee had drawn this, but although I guess uh, it's kind of kind of a little cheap because I guess you could say that about any any page in a comic. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> if Jim Lee just drew this, you know. yeah, if only. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You should just draw all the comics. <laughs> yeah, just go back to number one and redo the whole thing. <laughs> That'd be great, eh? <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. So you might be asking yourself, what happens in this comic? Well, you're in luck, because I'm going to tell you. So we start off, of course, you remember the last time Magneto got arrested by Freedom Force, which is the uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants led by Mystique turned into government stooges. And then uh, the X-Men went to visit Asgard. Uh, guard that ass, y'all. And uh, they come back, so that's where we kind of pick up. So Magneto is on trial. A reporter at the trial of Magneto for Crimes Against Humanity gives us the history of the self-proclaimed master of magnetism. The X-Men are returned to Earth via Paris by Loki and resolve to find Professor X. Some highfalutin blonde twins plan revenge and some terrorists attack a base as a fake quote-unquote X-Men protest to free Magneto. There's lots of protests all over the place. Scott argues with uh, Charles about clearing the X-Men's name and defending Magneto. Uh, He wants to clear the name and doesn't like defending Magneto. He also wonders if Magneto will really truly accept the judgment of the court if it disagrees with him. So back in the court, the prosecution says Magneto isn't a freedom fighter at all, but just a thug and a criminal. The oppression he fights doesn't exist. If it's really just prejudice he wants to fight, that can be done within society, but not above the law. The defense, on the other hand, claims even if he was a criminal, he's been a baby since then. So, wah! (laughs) The court agrees with the defense that Magneto cannot be tried for anything prior to his resurrection. So the X-Men split up and try and thwart the terrorist. The terrorists attack a hospital and best the X-Men, leaving the X-Men to be blamed for the attack. Meanwhile, back at home, Madeline Pryor gets very reasonably pissed at Scott for not calling, even though the other X-Men have all called her. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, she goes into labor. So meanwhile, back in Paris, Kitty needs to get her eyes checked. (laughs) Random, but somewhat very important plot point, I guess. All right, so the defense back in court claims that Magneto sunk the Russian sub in self-defense. Cyclops determines by some vague air quote analysis that the terrorist had an air quote organic power beam that they got at Whole Foods. It's basically the same power beam you get anywhere else, but it's cleaner and more expensive. Determining a mutant power source for the power beam, Rachel uses her hound face to locate them. Back at court, Magneto testifies. He regrets his past violence but still believes in his cause. Though parenthetically, a regret is kind of a tough sell, if you ask me, because in his motivation, he talks about there are too many humans. (laughs) Not sure how much regret he really feels. But anyway, for the purpose of plot, we will say, but still he says he will answer for his crimes as a scapegoat so the rest of mutants don't have to. He's seen the error of his ways. Will the humans who hate mutants see the error of their ways? We'll see, I guess. So the X-Men attack a tourist boat, finding the terrorist. They fight some heavily armored goons. Wolverine realizes there are no mutants aboard, so this must just be a diversion. On cue, the Wonder Twins, I mean Captain Marvel and her brother, I mean Fenris, attack the courtroom. Uh, Just in case you forgot, they're the bratty, possibly incestual twins from earlier. Fenris wants to avenge their father by killing Magneto, Professor X, and Gabriel Haller, or Holler. Holler! Um, by the way, their power is holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rachel gets to drop on them, but they get free. Uh, w- while they're focusing on Mags, Chuckles plays Red Rover and comes on over, disrupting their power. So, they're captured. Rachel reads their mind, discovering that their father is Baron Von Strucker. But they touch and blow out the tunnel wall. Did I mention they're in a tunnel? There's so much going on here, it's hard to keep up. But they escape. 
Uh, but Mags and Chuckles are swept away in the sewer water. Uh, they surface, but alas, Professor X is dying. He makes Magneto promise to carry on his dream and take over the school. Lelandra knew Xavier was dying based on their psychic rapport, so she collects him to take him to the Star Jammers and heal him with space medicine. The X-Men turn in the terrorist. To be continued. That is a dandy. There's a lot in that comic. Right on. So, highlights. Good read through. Very uh, good, concise synopsis. I'm not as good. Mine is going to be (laughs) long for the next one. I'm just thinking the whole time. (laughs) Mine is going to be long. That's okay. I tried to, like, keep it kind of short, but there's so many plot points in this one that it's just, there's a whole lot to talk about. Yeah. All right. So, So on page four, we meet Fenris. I wrote in my notes, nope. No incest here at all. Carry on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, just, uh, just for the listeners, when uh, way back towards the start, when he's talking to Psych there, he was kind of uh, like, I think he had a, they're kind of trying to depict that he had a heart attack in the room, I think. And, yes, uh, so Professor showing, X, yeah. Yeah, they, and he would kind of hit it from Scott and just kind of grinned and bared and kept on the conversation with Scott. So, uh, yeah, so just he was already kind of showing some uh, symptoms of that earlier there. Right, definitely. And uh, I like on page six, they refer to uh, the psychic blast, and the tourists think that, oh, it must be a new George Lucas movie. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I mean, what is with the whole Magneto turn into a baby thing? I never really got that. Or <laughs> No, like, I, that's dumb. <laughs> I was just and like, then the whole yeah, big really? head thing, yeah. Yeah, it was a way to make him younger, which, fine, I guess. But, yeah, that, was, yeah. that, that whole thing was stupid. Just a, one of those, they do it sometimes with characters, a way to start their age over again when they're kind of getting too old. And Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny, though, because they, they, they make him younger, but he still has white hair. So I don't know why they don't just say, oh, by the way, he just has white hair. It's like, because right. I know the original Magneto is supposed to be older, but, I mean... They never actually said his age. They just assumed he was old because he was gray-headed. But, yeah, they could have dealt with it a little bit better. But whatever. <laughs> I thought that uh, 747 getting blasted down was uh, kind of, like, poorly depicted in the comic. It was kind of quick for such a really monumental thing to be happening. Like, picture that, uh, like, happening in, like, a Nolan Batman movie, you know? Right. That would be, like, quite the scene. But it was yeah. just, like, kind of... Just a couple of quick panels, you know? Yeah, not even a whole page. <laughs> yeah, for quite a quite a thing, you know, that would seem like amazing in like a Batman movie or something. But, uh, yeah, like in uh, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah. Now I will say, uh, you go to page 15, Colossus taking on the tank is a pretty cool little sequence. Mm-hmm. thought that was pretty nice. Definitely. And uh, Gabriel Haller, on my first read-through, I, I loved the... Her first intro issue, that uh, Uncanny X-Men 161, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that really had an impact on me. I really liked, uh, like, I really liked that. And I remember my first read-through, that really having an impact. And the Shadow King issue with him and Baruch or whoever in the bar. Right. Like, the, I just, yeah, I remember, like, those two, whenever there was a flashback of, uh, like, kind of really more of uh, Xavier's origin, those really stuck with me. Yeah, it was uh, nice to kind of tie back to that, because... Th- by relating Fenris to Strucker, like that all that really brings that whole issue like up to, to speed. So I thought that was really cool, really nice connection. So are those supposed to be his um his kids? Yes. Okay. So, and are they twins? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So he's like listeners, he's like that guy in X Men one sixty one, the like uh crazy bald Nazi guy. Yeah, he was he and was he one of like the a... founders of Hydra, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. And he had like a powerful like bionic hand or something and the devil's claw i think is what yeah, it was and yeah to, like crushed it with his powers and then uh, <laughs> stole all their nazi gold they had and like flew, <laughs> flew away with a big like truckload of yes. gold off into the sky i just remember that and always thinking to myself oh that's like that explains like where uh magneto like always financed himself from then on and all of his right well he's, he's a master yeah. of metal he can get all the coin he wants right yeah, I guess there. Yeah, I thought like that was the main mass of it. How he like kind of got his all of his money from here on in. Right. <laughs> so I don't really like uh, Rachel's costume at this point in time, but I will say um, 
the panel of her disarming the police was awesome. That was actually uh, my Twitter header for a while. It's that one where it shows her like turning around and taking all the guns out of their hands. It was really cool. Kind of reminded me of what Magneto did in the first X-Men movie. Right, right, yeah. Trying to find the page right now, yeah. Uh, page 18 for readers at home. Yeah, I kind of like when the pages were numbered here in the mid-80s. It was easier to find stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, that, and then when they get to the Star Germans part in the story, story, I mean, I mean, really, like, come on. I've never seen the Star Jammers or Lalandra drawn so pitifully <laughs> i'm sorry but come on <laughs> yeah it wasn't you know it's funny because those were all Cochrane designs and i think ramita should have just redesigned them because he doesn't really do the Cochrane stuff quite the same and so you know are he should have just he should have just jazzed them up like he did the x-men right are they orig- oh yeah they're originally start uh Cochram? i was thinking they were uh, uh john uh byrne and no, like no, like Cochran did them first. Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Saga. Oh, well. But Cochran before that, eh? I'm sure. I'm sure you're probably right, yeah. Actually, now I'm not so sure. They look like Cochran designs to me. But now so, that you mention it, I don't remember. I'm just, uh, it's hard to look at them. I'm just picturing, like, John Byrne, Star Jammers, you know, when you're looking at them here, like, oh, man. Right. But what can you do? Yeah. And, uh, what else? After the next that, thing I have is not until... Several pages later, when I really enjoyed... That was a pretty cool fastball special panel. Yeah, for sure. Colossus is throwing Wolverine to get the sideways panel. It's really nice. I liked it when uh, Sykes says our analysis of the the beam that hit Rogue. (laughs) Uh, I loved and hated that. (laughs) Yeah, or hit hit Rogue or Colossus. I forget it was. Was organic. And I just wrote down, how how did they tell that? Right, yeah. (laughs) By analysis, Pat. You answered the question yourself. (laughs) Our analysis of the beam that hit you. (laughs) So just to circle back, I looked on Wikipedia and Star Jammers were created by Dave Cockrum. So, just so readers or listeners don't write in, how come you don't know? Well, I looked it up, so now I know. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and why is uh, Magneto worried that the humans, yeah, in the court, like, Magneto's so worried that the humans will do to mutants what, uh, like, Germany did to the Jewish people, but right. uh, aren't aren't mutants the ones with the powers out of the two? Like, wouldn't they be assumed to be the ones that would come out on top in a conflict out of the two? Yeah, except for just sheer numbers. So, I mean, I guess Magneto's fear is that there's so many humans and yeah, so few mutants yeah. that they would just overpower. I love that uh, I love that Wolverine is the first line of attack in all their battles. I just, as a Wolverine fan, I really dig that. Oh, yeah? <laughs> So, um, I thought the scene of Colossus falling through the stained glass window was just two really beautiful panels. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I really enjoyed uh, Glennis Oliver's color work on that. Really just made it Yeah. Pop. It looked uh, kind of reminded me of like Daredevil. Isn't there a famous yes. Daredevil cover that has stained glass? I and believe. John Romita is a, Jr. is a famous uh, Daredevil artist? Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Made me uh, think of that, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, um, everything else I had, I kind of already covered in the plot. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about in this one? Oh, sure. I got a few more uh, right, bullet yeah. points. Uh, I thought that was great when a Nightcrawler zapped out of the tourist boat and dropped the bad guys, three of them in the water. Yeah. That was really cool. <laughs> and really, and, uh, like, rapid fire. Like, the way Ramita drew the little uh, the three clouds was really cool. And at... Because he drew it like they were at different stages. So one, like the guy's all the way underwater. Then the next one, like right next to it, you have the legs poking out. And then the third one is literally like he just let go of him. So he's still above water. He's falling. And just the timing of that panel looked really cool. Cool use of Nightcrawler's powers. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, towards the end of the comic, uh, when uh, the X-Men bring the, baddie, the bad guys to the uh, police station, was it? And drop them off. I just wrote down that... Uh, I think Sykes said, uh, now it's your turn to do what, and, uh, and wasn't that the last thing they said in X-Men 2, I was thinking, but, uh, oh. just before, just before we started, I, I watched, I went to that spot in the movie and it says, says something pretty close. He says, uh, we're here to stay, Mr. President. The next move is yours. Ah, nice. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Pretty close. Yeah. I thought it seemed exactly the same, but uh, yeah, pretty close. 
The only thing about that panel that I don't like is Colossus is like 11 feet tall. Oh, yeah? <laughs> but no, I agree. It's a really cool panel. It's a really, you know, it's a really cool Cyclops. Because I won't lie, these, we'll talk about it more when you do 201, but uh, these issues don't really paint Cyclops in the best light. Oh my god, Colossus looks ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a giant, like, Wookiee without hair. Yeah. <laughs> a hairless Wookiee. The new, yeah. the new pet sensation in 2015. Yeah, that is absurd proportions. <laughs> Good lordy. And, uh, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't uh, too crazy about the art, the whole thing, but I thought one page with that specifically had great art was uh, when Magneto uh, pulled, say, Professor X uh, from the water, filling up the tunnel, and they burst out like a, in some, just some random park, city park garden. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that just that page really seemed like a... The artist knew that this was a big moment, going to be a big, memorable moment in X history, and he really stepped up his game for that page. Right. It's funny you say that, because if this was a modern comic, that would be like a half-page panel. You know what I mean? Like, and it's funny just the way comics have kind of evolved, because it's kind of just this little panel. It's an awesome panel, but it's kind of stuck up in the corner. It's not very big. But you're right, it is very dynamic and very pivotal. And yeah, nowadays, that'd be like half the page. Oh. Uh, yeah, you you tell me. I don't uh, don't read. I don't read modern comics actually uh, at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh, which like which one? Which panel did you mean uh, specifically? The one you were talking about, where they bust out of the ground. Like, like oh, I can what? see that today. Like being even maybe a borderless panel. Like so, halfway down the page, then the other half you'd have panels like stacked against it. I, oh. I mean, I can picture it in my mind. But no, I agree. That's a really nice panel. Yeah, we we even get crazy Professor X eyebrows on that page. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the that's the source of his power, Jason. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he almost has enough eyebrow to come over in the back of his head. <laughs> so that's a pretty uh, pretty big moment in next history. Yeah, say what you, say what you will about the uh, issue. It's a pretty memorable one. Yeah, uh, I think it uh, was. I think, uh, it's a uh, the big moment where Professor X uh, asked Magneto to take over the X-Men and he begrudgingly agrees. Yeah, and if, I think people probably even, uh, uh, the cover wasn't that great, but I'd say, you know, it's iconic and yes. people would uh, uh, see it somewhere and it would just, uh, their their mind would flash to the, oh yeah, that's, that's the issue when uh, that happens. Right, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I would say overall, I'm kind of with you. I thought there's definitely some really, really good panels, but I thought overall it was kind of average art, not Ramita's best. You know, when he first started his run, he was really, I thought, really good. And he's, we're kind of getting to that. I was talking to Cameron about this the last episode that he was on with, about this. That Flashback, Yeah, Cameron. flashback. This is, this is kind of more the Ramita that I remembered. Just kind of like really good panels, but not that consistent. Like that's, that's what my memory was. And... These issues we're in now are kind of that that era. They kind of live up to my memory more so than when he first started, because those issues were better than I remembered. And these are kind of kind of fitting back to that bill. You're kind of the same place too, right? You just kind of thought the art was all right. Uh, yeah. Like uh, I put for my conclusion, uh, like I thought the art was mediocre. Right. To be honest, uh, not even all right. And <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, I liked the I liked the story more than the art. Definitely. Uh, I admit it was a page turner for me. Yeah. It was it was pretty interesting, like the stuff in the courtroom, and uh, I liked her argument that uh, it might be a little far fetched, but it, it was interesting that uh, Chris Claremont thought of that, like to say how uh, everything before his uh, chain is when he got changed to a baby should be like struck off the record. Right. That took some creative writing to think well, of that defense. I agree with you, and I thought that was really cool, too, because that was pre-Claremont, like that whole baby thing. And so I think that was his way of saying, well, let's take this kind of silly story idea that, that is it's part of Magneto's continuity. What can I do with it? And I thought he took something that was really dumb and used it in a cool way. And so I give I got to give him pretty big props for that. Mm-hmm. Well put. All in all, I kind of thought the issue was nothing special, and uh, I felt that way on my first read-through, and... And uh, probably the same now that this is my second or third time reading the issue. Okay. Yeah, and uh, anything else for your conclusion? No, what would, you like to, what, would, what would you like to grade Uncanny X-Men 200? 
Oh, I would grade it uh, three out of six bone claws dipped in hot adamantium. <laughs> All right, we're going to go pretty different. I actually really enjoyed the courtroom drama, and even though Fenris was kind of lame, I enjoyed the whole, like, like people trying to frame the X-Men for wanting to free Magneto and stuff like that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit higher than you. I'm going to actually uh, give Uncanny 200 a uh, five out of six claws. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, cool. Well, uh, let's move on, huh? All right. Okay, next up, we're going to talk about Uncanny X-Men 201. So, Pat, what do we got here? Who does this one? Who does this? Chris Claremont, of course. Rick Leonardi, strangely enough. And uh, Wills Portacio, guest anchor, Tom Orzachowski, letter, Glennis Oliver, colorist, and Ascenti editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. Yeah, so a couple of firsts in this uh, issue as far as Wolverine goes. Oh, yeah. uh, first time we've had Rick Leonardi on the podcast, John Wolverine. First time ever, eh? Yeah, and first time for Portacio as well. Of course, he's not, we'll know him later as a penciler, but he didn't ink this issue. It's his first time to do anything with Wolverine related, so kind of a, kind of a big deal, I guess. And then remind me, what does uh, what does uh, Rick Leonardi go on to do a big run of? What's he? Uh, he has a big villains? Daredevil run. You know, we talked about Ramita doing oh. Daredevil. Uh, Leonardi does uh, Daredevil. Is he, he a big New Mutants guy? Ah, uh, I don't remember. I know he uh, did some Spider-Man stuff, and then he also went on. He kicked off, and actually he helped design the costume. I think for uh, Spider-Man 2099. Oh yeah. So he was he and Peter David were the big guys on that. And he also does this cover. You know, you talked about the cover to two hundred kind of being iconic. This to me is a super iconic cover. I uh, definitely agree. Yeah, for sure. I, was, and I remember more, you know, more iconic than the other one. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was growing up, like in the nineties, this was a a pretty hot issue. And we'll talk about why as we get into it. But I remember when I when I was a kid, I paid like ten or fifteen bucks for this. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So what do we got on the cover? You know, talk about how iconic it is. What's happening on there? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely iconic. Uh, Psych, just to say, yeah, I think everyone would see this and know it's the big one where Psych and Storm at the duel to figure out who's going to be the leader. Right. And, uh, yeah, Psych is blasting away at Storm, and Storm has a stick, and she's ready to just just conk Psych on the noggin if she gets the <laughs> chance. Like, she's just looking at his head, and he's just like, oh, I'm going to hit him on the head with this stick. It's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Well put. That's awesome. I also really like the the letterbox on this one. You know, normally we have like the whole team of floating heads. Oh, right. But in this issue, we just have Storm and Cyclops separated by a big cartoon question mark. And I thought that was really cool. And of course, we have the letterbox... uh, under the title, Who Will Lead Them? And, you know, it's funny. I look at it now, and, you know, Leonardi, especially at the beginning of his career, was very stylized. Mm-hmm. I look yeah. at Cyclops now, and he looks kind of weird, but I still think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, he is definitely yeah, uh, has a, a strong stylized way of doing it, kind of like a, would be uh, maybe like polar... Uh, res- polar-ishly received by people. They'd either, I think, like, hate it or love right, it. Right, yeah, very polarizing. That kind yeah. of uh, uh, distinct art, yeah. I love his optic blast, too. It looks great. Mm-hmm, kind of going off on the weird beams, like, yeah. yeah, how, like, how Shan used to take over people's minds. Yes, like karma, of, exactly, like, yeah. Yeah, kind of the rectangled outline. All right, synopsis. Yeah, what we got? Uncanny X-Men 2 and... Um, so it starts with the X-Men all huddled, huddled around Maddie, and they're fawning over the baby she just had in the last issue. We saw her, well, we saw her just uh, collapse to the ground, like, uh, in, uh, uh, what's the word? Labor. <laughs> Labor. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I don't have a kid. Jason does. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so just, that's obviously the uh, first ever appearance of Cable. Yeah. Pretty big deal just to point off. Yeah, that's why this issue was so expensive. Because when I bought it, when I first started collecting, like really getting into comics was with X-Men number one. And so in the early 90s, and of course right after that, X-Force came out and was super popular. And so to buy this issue back then was kind of hard to find and kind of hard to get. 
So that's why it cost me so much back in the day. Because of cables? First yeah, because first, first baby cable. Really? Even yeah. Just considered like that to be worth a lot, just even though he's a baby. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, back then it was. <laughs> I, I think you can probably get on eBay for about two or three bucks now, but... So it's all gone to shit now. Eh? Yeah, well, what, no one likes cable anymore anyway, <laughs> for whatever reason. I just, I wish he had, like, I want to draw it in with some drawing program and... Uh, like I want to put like a metal arm on him and a glowing guy. As a baby, <laughs> all I, all I As a baby that's awesome. A little baby cyborg. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm always fiddling on the computer with drawing programs, so I could barely get through. I just wanted to stop and do that. That's nice. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so yeah, so they're in the kitchen and they're fawning over the baby, and then Maddie and Storm kind of slip off from uh, the little gathering there to uh, to talk, and uh, Maddie kind of they're just. Uh, uh, small talking, but the uh, storm kind of presses and asks her if she can sense something more's wrong. And Maddie kind of br- finally br- she breaks down, lets it all out, and uh, about how she's upset with Scott and their relationship going south, and it's not the same anymore. And he's not being there for her, wasn't there for her birth, and didn't call her, etc. And right. uh, all those things, <laughs> yeah, pretty fair argument. Yeah, actually. yeah, she's basically mad at Cyclops for being a big time prick. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Fair, actually, and uh, yeah, so, and then back with the baby, Kitty brings him over to Rachel to hold, knowing how they share the same dad and all, and Rachel uses her side powers to allow her and Kitty to hear the baby's thoughts, which is so moving, moving to them, apparently they both tear up. Yeah. Kind of cool. And, uh, but uh, not that they really, de- they don't in any way depict what the baby's thoughts were to the reader, so we have really no idea, but. I actually think it's better that way. I think if they uh, tried to explain it, it would have been super cheesy. <laughs> yeah, Sykes outside, um, silently brooding in his thoughts as cursing his best. eyes. My eyes, <laughs> my deadly eyes—they <laughs> shoot beams out of them. No, and yeah. uh, wondering where the Professor—he's wondering where the Professor X is and wishing he was here to share uh, like this moment with him of finding out he has a kid, and wondering what happened to between them and worrying about how the whole Magneto taking over the X-Men thing and if we can trust them. I was oh, I was a little, really confused about how, like, or why did Cyclops keep saying, like, where is he? Where is he? Didn't they know what happened in the last one? Too? No, they don't, actually. Oh. I was like, why does he keep saying, where is he? You would think that Magneto would have told them. Yeah. <laughs> but... I thought it was just to be assumed. Yeah, right. Oh, by the way, I found Professor X. I know y'all are all worried that he's dead. He's not. I sent him to Space Hospital, so he's getting better. Yeah, Magneto's in space. And they, space, they, space, show later, space. they show later that Magneto's in the mansion with them, so they all came back to France together like, yeah. on a fl- long flight, but they never, never brought up. <laughs> right. I mean, and, uh, he's going to have to, at some point, tell them, Oh, I'm here because Professor X wants me to lead the school. You know, he told me that when he was alive, before he went to space. So don't worry about him being dead. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's, it is weird that they don't know, but they not, seem not to. Not whatever. explained doesn't make any sense. But anyways, the scene shifts to space and the star jammers. And I, it was really confusing. I believe I understood the text to say they went through a lot to come and get saved the professor. The ship was badly damaged in the process. And... And some very thin, convolu- convoluted reasoning explains how even though he's better now, he can't go home. They, they can't uh, get they can't get him back to home now, and right. uh, they may never be able to. Dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and spoilers, uh, it will be a really long ass time. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, back at the mansion, everyone outside is uh, everyone's playing baseball, yeah. uh, which is always X and uh, X fan favorite thing to see. And Klaus's crushes. Uh, hits the ball up in the sky from a pitch, and Rogue flies up to catch the ball in front of uh, Air Force One, uh, seven, like 747, I guess, <laughs> and does, does like the kiss the window thing and leave the lipsticks, and with the president watching. President Ronald Reagan, mind you. Right. I was going to ask you to tell me who that, which president <laughs> was, yeah. And Maddie and Psyche are having a fight back at the mansion and it's coming down to whether the fight's coming down to whether psych is going to lead the x-men or do the whole husband father thing and then storm sort of just comes in the room and it interrupts really the uh, uh <laughs> like a really personal argument with them and just kind of 
interrupts in the middle of it and drops the gauntlet on Sykes and <laughs> says that they need to get it over with and figure out who's going to be the leader. And uh, she proposes a danger room duel. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, down down in the illustrious danger room, I wish I had a danger room, that'd be awesome. And yeah. uh, they set the room to be like a, an apocalyptic urban cityscape, just uh, for their listeners here. And they go at it for a while, having the duel, and they just go at it. This is the big duel to decide who the leader is. Right. And just remind it, uh, everybody real fast, in case you forgot, yep. this is a storm with no powers, by the way. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, so this is a powerless storm going against a uh, Cyclops with his full power. So, you know, you think uh, the uh, winner would be pretty obvious, but uh, yeah. And then they go at it for a while, and with it, and the whole thing ends in a powerless storm sneaking up uh, behind Psyche and pulling off his visor so that, and in such a fashion that he's forced to give up because he has to cover his eyes and can't really go on, you know? And uh, and then the scene shifts to the Gray's house, like Jean Gray's parents' house. <laughs> For yeah. some reason, it's really strange. <laughs> and it shifts to their house, and Rachel is just, like, standing over them while they're sleeping, like, breathing over them. And Rachel puts part of herself into the Jean Gray Phoenix, uh, like, snow globe thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, strangely, then it switches again to, on, now it's on the moon, and the Watcher sees an energy flare, and it sees energy flare up from the spot uh, where Phoenix died and kind of shoot off as an energy beam up and out into space and interesting yep, that, that's the whole thing interesting very <laughs> very very interesting <laughs> right so page one our father of the year so, so i wrote my notes first thing i wrote down about this whole issue is that standing in the back and scowling when you meet your baby is not the way to win father of the year cyclops definitely Everybody, the whole team is like, oh, what a baby. Even Wolverine's kind of smiling. And he talks about how much he hates babies. And the Cyclops, the father, is back there like, ugh, stupid kid. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> Wolverine, uh, I could just picture you. I thought you were going to say this, but I'll beat you to it. I'll do your, Wolver- your Wolverine voice. Big flaming deal. You've seen one rat, you've seen them all. And he's... <laughs> And he's opening a beer with one claw. Yes, I love it when he does that. <laughs> <laughs> he even gets a little spaff when yeah. he sticks a claw in the beer. That's that's a combination of him piercing the metal and the beer fizzing. <laughs> it's a good sound. And on that splash page, before we move on, uh, I just wrote down like a, but come on, tell me people's faces don't look weird on the splash page, right? On a... Uh... On the first page? Oh, on the first page? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they like, do. Um, actually, Colos- think... Colossus and, Wolf- and Colossus and Wolverine kind of look like the same person. They do Wolf- look the same. I, I wrote that down, too. And um, we had this weird thing with that people did back then with Alien Cat Storm. Yeah, yeah. I will say Madeline, I think, looks great. Yeah, she does. Yeah, say that, yeah. But everyone else looks weird. Rogue looks weird. Rachel looks like her face got flattened. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, it's all kind of like a Disney like movie faces yes. like big bright Disney character eyes kind of a little bit of that going on yeah. When I say what they did even worse though with Colossus and Wolverine kind of looking the same, they kind of colored their clothes the same too. So <laughs> it really like just looks like they're brothers. Definitely looks like they're wearing the same shirt. Um, I <laughs> I like the return of Nightcrawler Tickle Monster. Mm-hmm. That, although that didn't go too good for him last time he did that. No, trip. it didn't. Rogue so, almost killed him. I'm not sure him. why he's so quick to try it again. <laughs> he's addicted to tickles. He can't help it. And then, of course, we have the return of Cyclops the dick. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I, I agreed with you. I thought the moment between Rachel and the baby was really nice. Yeah, I thought that was really cute. Yeah, and we have a super sexy Corsair. He I'll looks, say. Yeah, he looks like a, a young dapper space model. His <laughs> weird, weird gapped mu- handlebar mustache. I thought it was really weird after the professor's poor, uh, poor health being such a big part of the last issue. Right, it just seems so cheap and rushed to have the, f- after that whole thing about being him being so sick last issue and all that and, uh, like so bad that he has to leave, and let Manny get Magneto to take over. Like the first thing you see of the prof in this issue 
Uh, he's just, uh, it's unexplained. He's just already totally healthy and better with zero explanation just staying there. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and he was having like trouble with it. Like, so the whole thing is his powers were out of whack and it was putting an undue stress on his heart. So he was having a heart problem. If you've ever seen any Viagra commercials, one of the little disclaimers is always, before you take Viagra, consult with your doctor to make sure you're healthy enough to have sex. And, <laughs> and so Professor X, who, who just recovered from a weak heart, the first thing he does is start mugging down with Lilandra. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I really like the uh, top panel on page eight, where uh, they're, they're kind of on the, the space way, like the little space view. And uh, Lilandra and Professor X are both outlined in white to yeah, kind of stark against the space. I think that looked really cool. That does look very cool for sure. Yeah, I always like, I'm a sucker for cool space shots anyways. Yeah, I am too. And uh, I got something about that page. Uh, but I think like, although he had those, he's so worried about the uh, X-Men and how he can't get back to them. Never, possibly never now. I, although that said, I think of the next page, I think uh, with Lilandra walking up to him, there, I think Xavier forgets all about the X Men in a minute. There, oh, I yeah. think when he sees a lander in that uh, outfit on the space viewing right. uh, ledge, <laughs> <laughs> she is looking pretty good. <laughs> Even with her little arrowhead. Howdy, <laughs> McSpace wife. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So I thought it was funny. Uh, so Sam's wearing a Lila shirt, like a Lila Cheney like band shirt. Oh, I see that now. I know, it's funny. And then, you know, I like the art overall, but there's a couple of weird panels. And our first baseball panel, like, everybody, including Wolverine, is super leggy. <laughs> yeah. Like they're <laughs> all, all legs. Yeah. <laughs> Rogue's looking pretty funny. Weird, <laughs> yeah. twisted. <laughs> Your bikini bottom's not covering too much there. No, nope, no, nope. she's got some butt cleavage for sure. Yeah, but um, oh, art aside, do you, what a X fan worth his salt doesn't love a good baseball scene. You know, that's just such a classic thing in X. Yeah, I agree. I like it a lot. Yeah, who doesn't like a X baseball scene? I love that whole part. Well, in that panel on the bottom of page ten, with the Colossus armoring up mid swing, it's an awesome panel. Yeah, looks great. Yeah, like Kitty of all the people was the pitcher, kind of taking control and holding down the whole game. <laughs> Your turn. What do you got, Jason? Um, okay, so to clear up, so I guess Magneto, I, I, t I misspoke earlier. So on page 13, so Scott is not, he, he knows what, Mag what Magneto said, so Magneto told him. Scott just doesn't know if he believes him or not. Oh, okay. So he's basically like, well, did Magneto really f rescue him and he went to space, or did Magneto kill him and told us he went to space? So, so he thinks... Uh. He thinks Magneto has, like, nefarious intentions. Like, he's not being forthright. That's got an interesting spin, right. I yeah. I didn't totally catch that, yeah. Because they, uh, they weren't there. Right. Like, when it actually happened, when yeah. he was lying on the ground and died, so they just yeah. not... They, they just, found uh, Magneto going, going, he was just here. <laughs> yeah. So just, Hands in the air, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, so they're just 100% going on the word of, like, their... Uh, Arch former, enemy, yeah. Like, biggest arch enemy of all time right so yeah that's interesting yeah. i will say also though uh moving on to the next page i do really like leonardi's uh storm mohawk i think he draws it really cool yeah. and i like when they're making bets on the duel that wolverine uh picks storm thought that was really cool oh yeah yeah and i won't lie so um i guess probably most x fans this is probably about 50 50 split but um I was glad that Storm won. She's actually my uh, X-Men leader of choice. So I thought that was really cool. Who's your favorite X-Men leader, Pat? Who's your favorite guy to lead the team? Uh, like if you were going to write an X-Book, who would be your leader? Uh, Wolverine. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I'm not too sure. <laughs> I guess it probably was, definitely wasn't Nightcrawler. I remember him always kind of screwing up. and. Yeah. And sucking at it, so. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, like, Storm was kind of uh, chatting it up and getting chummy with Maddie in that issue, and they were kind of becoming girlfriends, and uh, I kind of took uh, Storm, I kind of took that as when Storm uh, burst in and interrupted their uh, fight. 
to propose the duel. I kind of took that as like her, she was sick of eavesdropping and hearing Psyche not uh, like be better to Maddie, and she wants uh, to beat him so he'll have to go with Maddie to, right. uh, to help her new uh, girlfriend out there. I kind of like, uh, yeah, I kind of took it as that, a little bit of that angle. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Oh, uh, I always love that shot in the danger room. That was a great shot when they, whenever they shift and it turns to a different like scene, but you can still see the uh, control room. Yes, window. I love that too. I really like that. Yeah, that's always a cool effect they do there. I like that. That's the kind of thing you can only do in comics. Mm-hmm. I just is really cool. I wrote on a uh, page eighteen. In case you forgot, Wolverine really doesn't like Cyclops very much. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he ain't cheering for him. No. Yeah, anything else uh, about the fight? I surprising. I'm just surprising myself here. I guess I didn't really write anything specifically about the fight. Did yeah, you, uh, on uh, page 19 we have the thing where uh, it's like a nice sunset and then it starts storming. So we're kind of having that. Does she? Does she not? Kind of have subconscious yep. powers back yet? Kind of thing going on. Is Maddie's like, huh? It yeah, was exactly perfectly that. clear a minute ago. Where did the storm come from? And that's like coincides with the exact like kind of climax of the fight so yeah interesting they did that in a couple of issues they're always uh hinting that in there that she secretly like has some kind of unconscious control over power still they never right. truly left her yeah yeah and just another another one of those hinting that so about the whole maddie scott thing um you know claremont, claremont wrote this in an interesting way but i thought maddie was really in a tough place because do you really want your husband coming home with you just as a consolation prize? Like, it's obvious he wanted to stay there and lead the X-Men. He's like, well, if I can't do that, then I guess I'll be a dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> begrudgingly, right? Right. I know what you're trying to say, yeah. yeah. But then at the same time, you know, Maddie's not entirely right either because she's like, well, I'm taking the kid and leaving. If you want to, come with us. And, you know, <laughs> there's one thing I've learned from being in, in relationships in a long time and being married a couple of years. 99% of the time, ultimatums are a bad idea. Yeah. Like, you need to talk through and work through stuff and just saying, this is what I'm doing, either come or don't, usually backfires. <laughs> right, right. You know, but at the same time, though, people do that. So I thought they were both kind of being weird, but it felt realistic. So in that sense, I kind of enjoyed it. She's saying, like, she she has a, I have a job I have to go to, like, or wasn't that her reason for needing to rush off? Like, she's yes. like, I work on Monday. <laughs> yeah, I think that was part of it. I think part of it, too, though, she wanted him, like, her and the X-Men kind of put him, like, it's one or the other. Like, you can't have both. Like, I, I can't stay here. I'm your wife. Here's your son. You know, you can either stay with the X-Men or you can come be a dad and not be a deadbeat (laughs) and the funniest thing to me about this and and the part that makes cyclops kind of look the worst that you really get no sense from the x-men that they asked him or needed him to stay like he kind of decided by himself i need to lead the x-men and you know no one really asked him to (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, i agree yeah so that just makes him seem kind of more of a dick but you know what are you gonna do maddie was kind of like uh I have a job. I have to get back to you. I have skills. I can earn a living. Can you say the same? I was like, <laughs> and I just wrote down like, dang. <laughs> dropping the hammer on him. He's like, he's like uh, we, uh, we get paid to be X-Men. We get paychecks every two weeks. You know, like right. eh, it's a lot more than you. Like you wouldn't believe my, you wouldn't believe my bank account. <laughs> Plus she missed the part where Cyclops is a big pool shark. <laughs> Using that optic blast to play the billiards. Play Wait, what, sir? You remember, uh, it was several issues ago, uh, but there's there's that big scene where Cyclops was was honing his craft, practicing his uh, eye blast. And he did it on a, a pool table where he like shot oh, yeah. all the balls in with his optic blast. Did, did the pool table thing, yeah? Yeah. So, you know, you can win money that way. You go to tournaments. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, like, but Jason, do you think the X-Men, like, do you think they get paid? Do you think they get a regular paycheck? And uh, I, I feel like in the 60s they talked about a stipend, didn't they? Like way back in the Stan oh, yeah. Lee days. Yeah. <laughs> I think they mentioned that, that, yeah, they have like an allowance or something. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but that was from Professor X. So now that he's off lost in space, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think. I just feel like the X-Men aren't getting direct deposits like every two weeks. 
<laughs> no 401k probably yeah, yeah. No, no health insurance right just go out and risk your lives <laughs> not even dental <laughs> nope that's funny yeah probably not <laughs> alright you got, you got anything else on this one oh I always I wrote down I always like I always like uh, seeing the watcher it's always uh yeah. Fun to see the watcher. What are your what are your thoughts on the watcher? When you see the watcher, Denise always calls him a giant toga baby. But yeah, I, I thought it was funny. Um, it was kind of a weird little interlude, but it did make sense. And of course, there's the whole mystery of well, what happened with the Phoenix Force right there. So yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I always like seeing the watcher because it's fun, fun to see him. It reminds me of the Fantastic Four because I I just finished reading through the Fantastic Four one to fifty, which I just thoroughly enjoyed. Nice. So I, can't recommend enough. I need to get and, the hard the hardbound for that. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, hey, you like you like uh, Spider-Man too, don't you, Jason? I think. Oh you yeah, said. yeah. Yeah, I'm almost. Uh, the next issue I'd read of Spider-Man would be 50. Oh so nice. Almost, yeah, I almost read one to 50 of him too. That's awesome. And uh, it's weird that weird that the Watcher calls it uh, the. I don't know if it's him actually or the narration, but they call it the back alley of the moon, which is ah. so weird because it was so such obviously called the blue area of the moon. I remember just right. the weird narration slipped to me. <laughs> pretty pretty <laughs> easy. Was it, like, wait, but isn't the blue area where the Inhumans lived? I, uh, I just thought uh, I thought when they had that fight with Jean when she oh pulled yeah, over, yeah she yeah, like yeah. Uh, pulled up the gun out of the ground at the right. door and blasted herself <laughs> <laughs> which makes no sense but uh yeah i thought i i thought they remember calling that the blue area the yeah blue i think area. you're right i think you're right and uh you just know after the watcher's last sentence where he s- explains how i must observe and never act you know that just like right after his last sentence it was like just a beat a moment went by and and then he said ah oh, screw this and he ran off to act on it like hold on (laughs) this is kind of a big deal five seconds of sticking to stands of just watching not do anything (laughs) because we all know that I can't stand it we all know that he never only watches and observes right right. (laughs) he always acts always digging his big old head where it don't belong (laughs) yeah that's all the uh, that's all the points I got besides the conclusion all right well, so what did you think of uh, Leonardi's art here? Uh, I thought I thought the art was better than better than two hundred. Yeah, I did uh, too. But I still I still thought it was kind of not up to par and uh, slash low a lot of low level of detailing. I thought. That's yeah, I thought yeah, it's very kind of sketchy. It was definitely yeah. very stylized, and there was definitely some wonky panels. But overall, I dug it. And I thought they did a great job on the letters and the colors. So I thought those looked really good. And then I, overall, I really enjoyed the story as well. A little bit of forced drama between Cyclops and Maddie, but like I said, it felt kind of realistic, even though it was maybe over dramatic. But um, I, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the duel. Like you said, the baseball. It was, it was cool because it was kind of like one of your classic uh, Claremont downtime issues. But still, a lot happened, which uh, I always really enjoyed those issues. Yeah, some of the downtime issues. That was like one issue after a big ten issue kerfuffle. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely. Always like sometimes those are like really great and really just slowing down the pace and character building. Just like a scene of them playing baseball and this and that of the mansion. I love those. Yeah, yeah, me quiet too. Issues. Yeah, that much. That's uh, you know sometimes even those. More than the ten crazy big fight ones before that, kind of <laughs> those ones kind of make the X Men, you know. Right. Yeah. Right on. Huh. All right. And well, all that said, what are you going to grade on Kenny X Men two hundred one? What am I going to grade? Uh, uh, just finished off. I but uh, the, yeah, the story was very good. On the other hand, uh, besides me not being crazy with the art, uh, I really enjoyed it more than two hundred. I mean it had a baseball scene come on and yeah. I give it points for being an iconic noteworthy issue with the leadership switch and uh, all that said I gave it four out of six rusty adamantium claws <laughs> all right well I'm gonna go a little higher than you again I'm gonna give this one also five out of six claws I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed the duel um, like I said and just you know like like you said the change in the team membership 
I mean, uh, I mentioned earlier, Storm's my favorite leader, and this is kind of her taking over the team, so I love this little period we're about to get into. Yeah, 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 I'm going to go 201, 5 out of 6. And Pat goes 4 out of 6. So, um, let's wrap up, shall we? Wrap it up. Okay, so that's going to be it for episode 138. We had two pretty, uh, quote-unquote landmarked issues for Uncanny X-Men in 200 and 201. Kind of some big stuff. Had uh, Magneto comes to the X-Men for the first time. Uh, Storm, my voice cracked. Uh, Storm is going to be the new leader. We have the first appearance of Baby Cable. So lots of interesting stuff going on there that'll uh, change the course of X-History. So some pretty pretty monumental issues. And um, I just want to thank Pat again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me on it, Jason. Anytime. Yeah. So, um, that was awesome when I was on the first time, you know, I, I couldn't believe it when I got, finally, uh, came on iTunes there. I was listening to it and <laughs> sent it, it to everyone I know, and, you know, nice. and I saw it, put it on Facebook there and sent it to my parents, of course, to listen to you and my family. Awesome. Well, that's great. I uh, thought it was great. Hope they enjoyed it. Yeah. So, um, cool. Well, um, I don't know what'll be next. Um, hopefully if we can get the, get everything done in time we'll we'll go ahead and wrap up our uh secret wars 2 story if not then we'll talk about more current secret wars and the in the regular current comics so either way it'll be something secret wars <laughs> yeah so as usual um like the facebook page uh twitter's at snickcast uh the web page is snickcast.podbean.com um show notes and oh wait what did i say yeah, webpage has show notes. <laughs> Ooh, excuse me, I'm dumb. But um, yeah, so Pat, do you have anything you want to plug for everybody? You have people can find you online or wherever. Uh, anything to plug? Uh, I thought what I would say to this, and here I got I got something just kind of not totally related to that, but I, I don't have anything to plug. I don't have a show or anything. All right. But I, I just thought I would say, I thought for this, I just say it's really... It's really cool. All these, uh, just all these X Men podcasts in general. You know, I really, I really love them and I really enjoy them. And uh, it's just so much fun talking to everyone online and all the groups. And uh, not to bring up another uh, X podcast on on your one, Jason. But, no, uh, you're fine. Uh, obviously, the uh, you know, obviously the Uncanny X Cast one is kind of the big hot spot to right. chat and post stuff. It seems yeah. like everyone just kind of comes to that one. <laughs> right. But, yeah. And just. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. Uh, just I love all these podcasts and just uh, moved to this new city and uh, I haven't met too many people yet, so it's just uh, it's really cool talking to everyone on the Young Kenny X Cast page there and everything. And that's great. It's just so cool this uh, community. I agree. And there's a lot of really good X Men podcasts out there or comic book podcasts in general. And you know what? And I don't. I know different people view it different ways. I personally don't view it as any kind of competition competition yeah i feel like all the different shows that i've listened to and i've listened to a lot of them and and listened to a lot of them pretty regularly i feel like they all bring a little bit different spin bring something a little bit different to the table and so i i feel like hey if you're like me you have a lot of time to listen to podcasts at work listen to everything (laughs) no reason to pick and choose so that's a good way to put it yeah yeah Yeah. they're definitely they're all different and they all just have their own uh spin on it that doesn't like overlap and right supersede the other ones and make them worth not listening to even if they're both the same issue yeah that's yeah, really it's really cool do you listen to uh do you listen to like quite a few of the other ones uh i do yeah um like should we just name drop some ones or sure uh, nice my podcast love here yeah so my favorite uh the x-men stuff of course you have uncanny x cast of course you gotta um, see that one right you gotta I, start I, with that one yeah i love the danger room podcast i think those I guys love, are great too. yep me um, too, danger room uh, you guys do great voices. Yes, they do. Um, and what's <laughs> uh, Rachel and Miles explain the X Men? I like that one. Yeah, that's I like that one. That's I, like the I, rookie of the year for me. They're yeah, like, those definitely. guys really. Those guys seems like they really know their know their stuff. Oh, definitely. So it's cool to go there and get uh, some real expert in, info on that one. Yeah, and um, but there's another one I was I have on my list to check out, and I haven't checked it out yet. But um, I don't remember what it's called, but it's on my phone. And then all as far as just regular comics, of course, you've heard on here. Uh, we have a lot of people from the Intra Comics podcast that come on th- this show, and I love their show. Just um, just some blokes from England talking about comics. They're really funny. There's a DC podcast I like a lot called Raging Bullets. And there yeah, used to be a into, lot you're of into cool DC spot- stuff too, eh? What? You're into you're more into DC stuff as well, eh, than me. Yeah. 
Well, probably the new, yeah. I'm definitely Marvel is probably the majority of my reading, but yeah, I like a lot of DC stuff too. So yeah. A lot of image stuff. Yeah, I haven't really found if anyone. That's a good opportunity. If anybody can recommend like just a really solid image podcast, I haven't really found one. So I'd be definitely willing to check one of those out. Spawn, um, you gotta love some Spawn. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> and well, back I, in the day. Oh yeah, that, yeah. Nineties to a T, right there. And uh, another one is uh, another one I lo- really like and comes out uh, pretty infrequently, but they're really good. Uh, just to say, they're ones also with uh, X aspirations. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've not heard. I'll have to check that one out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, of course we can't forget comedy bang bang a comedy bang, bang. Love, comedy bang bang a comedy. <laughs> I love comedy bang. That's yeah. Well, if we're gonna go uh, comedy that and uh, how did this get made? Film sack. You know, it's funny. You know, I'm still gonna campaign. You know, Scott Ackerman's been writing some comic books lately, so he should come on the show. Uh, <laughs> Just saying. You'll have to do, like, you'll have to think of a character, you know, or something to right. convince him to yeah. take him on, to get him to come on. You have to, like, really work <laughs> on a character and present it to him <laughs> and pitch it to him. Uh, <laughs> the Wolverine guy. That's what I am. I'm Mr. Yeah. Snick. Oh, this is <laughs> just a uh, podcast love here. We're just throwing everything in the kitchen sink in here. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, just uh, one random side note, and I, I've been listening to uh, the Fantastic Cast. That's really Fantastic fun. Four, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. It's called the Fantastic Cast. I think they're in England or Scotland or something. Quite the accent. I'm just awesome. trying to listen to one to fifty just for fun because I just read the one to fifty there. Fantastic Four. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, I think <laughs> I think that's our show. So um, that's the show. Again, Pat, thank you very much for coming on. We'll have you on again soon. Always, always love when you get to come on. We'll try to make that a regular thing. But yeah, yeah. Just thanks and thanks for listening, everybody. So, thanks. Flashback. Yeah. Flashback. Cameron, Cameron does a great job. Not trying to take your job, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I especially get when you guys are on. It's just uh, something special about when two uh, friends or close, long-time friends are uh, doing it. Just shines yeah. through and makes it extra good. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, we went out last night for um, a bunch of my friends kind of have a birthday around this time. Yeah. And so we all met together and uh, Denise and Amy, Cameron's wife, were making fun of us because we had a whole conversation where we didn't actually say anything. We just kind of said like half sentences and knew what each other was talking about. And they, oh, gave, really? they gave us a really hard time for that. Like, <laughs> you didn't actually say anything. Why are y'all both laughing so hard? Like, I know what he was going to say. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so. All right. Well, until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye. Uh, bye.